You are listening to the Root Simple Podcast. This podcast needs a longer introduction than usual because we're going to talk about the end of the world with Father Mark Koleski, Dean of St. John's Episcopal Cathedral in Los Angeles. Before we get to the conversation, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers, Robert G., Anne F., Dan F., Amy C., Paula C., Patrick P., Anthony M., Becky L., Heather E., Lynn G., K., Scott G., Kellyan, Stephanie L., Erica R., Kelton M., Kyle P., Nicholas H., David and Sandy S., Eric of Garden Fork, and supporters Nicole, Michael W., Johnny S., Dutch Girl, Mary H., Stephen T., Brad and Stacy, and Johan. If you'd like to become a patron and make an ongoing pledge to support our podcast and blog, you can find a link in the show notes and on the right side of our blog at rootsimple.com. I record another podcast for the Episcopal Cathedral in Los Angeles, and I've always wondered if there was a subject that would cross over with the things we talk about on the Root Simple podcast. And I think in this episode I've found it, the Apocalypse Mythos. I think it's safe to say within the DNA of the urban homesteading, permaculture, and ecological movements is a concern with how the world might end and the possibility of either hastening, postponing, or avoiding the end of human civilization. Of course, there are many divergent opinions on the nature of this end, everything from climate change to energy depletion to nuclear war to more fringy ideas of like near-term extinction. I've always been interested in the stories that our cultures tell about the end of the world and what those stories say about present realities. Behind on one extreme, the grim future of Mad Max, to another extreme, the techno-optimist Mars colony fantasies of Silicon Valley executives, is a ghost that haunts our imaginations about the end of things. That ghost, at least in the West is John of Patmos and his hallucinatory Book of Revelation. I think it's unfortunately too rare in our culture these days to consider the theological underpinning of the stories we tell. That's what we're going to do on this episode of the Root Simple Podcast in a conversation with Father Mark Kowaleski, co-dean of St. John's Episcopal Cathedral in Los Angeles. We discuss everything from mainstream orthodox views of biblical apocalyptic literature to fundamentalist and evangelical notions of a rapture. We conclude with what these stories tell about our relationship to creation and to human culture. And now my conversation with Father Mark. Uh, we are rolling. I'm here with um, Father Mark Kowaleski of St. John's Episcopal Cathedral. Dean of St. John's Episcopal Cathedral in Los Angeles, California. And we're here to talk about? Apocalypse and apocalyptic. Maybe we should call this apocalypse now. Uh, where to begin on this big subject? Um, I was thinking this morning of just all of the popular cultural references that we could make on this. I began with a, a list of movies that... You know, Mad Max, The Road, Miracle Mile, 28 Days Later, Children of Men, Planet of the Apes, on and on and on, Terminator, Time of the Wolf, A Boy and His Dog, Wally, I could go on and on and on. But, um, and I was trying to think, like, where did the, where does this apocalyptic narrative come from? And you're about to launch a, a, a set of classes here at the cathedral on the subject. But I thought maybe we should begin with 
probably what you're not going to talk about, which is the rapture, which I think is what everyone thinks of when they think of a biblical apocalypse. What is that story, and, and where does it come from? Well, the, the rap, we probably will talk a little bit in the class about, about the uh, theology of, of the rapture, right? And so the rapture has sort of uh, become part of our contemporary culture as well, right? I think it's all of a piece in this sort of fascination with with what we could call the apocalyptic. And, and I think when our culture talks about like the apocalypses, right, like the zombie apocalypse or whatever, there, there's a sense of, of a devastating destruction of culture as we know it, right? That, that's sort of what people have in mind. And, and like Mad Max, for example, is a good, yeah, that's a good example of a, of a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, or, or even if you think about Game of Thrones and all of these you know, images of that, you know, it, it's, our, our culture is just rife with all of these images of, of, of a devastating end of the world. And that has been fed, I think, by the the contemporary fundamentalist vision of the rapture as part as part of this apocalyptic uh, fascination. And the rapture it comes from uh, a few verses of of Saint Paul in the Epistle to the Thessalonians, and maybe uh, I could even like quote those if you want. Okay, so so in his Epistle to the uh, Church in Thessaloniki. Um, Paul talks about um, those folks who have been left behind because people have died that they have loved. And they were anticipating that Jesus would return in their lifetime. And now, you know, their relatives and friends um, have died. And they want to find out, well, well what is it? Um, What's this all about? You know, what, when, when is Jesus coming back? And we had hoped that he, he was going to come back, you know, very soon. And so what Paul says to, to them is, we wish you not to remain in ignorance, friends, about those who sleep in death. You should not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. So, too, God will bring those who died as Christians to be with Jesus. This, we tell you, is a word from the Lord. Those of us who are still alive when the Lord comes will have no advantage over those who have died. When the command is given, when the archangel's voice is heard, when God's trumpet sounds, then the Lord himself will descend from heaven. First, the Christian dead will rise. Then we who are still alive shall join them, caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Console one another then with these words. So that's where where the rapture primarily comes from. That that that's sort of the sense the sense of of, of Paul's um, idea that that uh, those of us who uh, are alive when Jesus comes again will meet the Lord in the air. Well, the the, the problem with the the and, and what the rapture says is that you know you could be driving down the four hundred five freeway and uh, all of a sudden you're going to be snatched out of there and all of a sudden your car is going to be uh, driverless. You know, and, and that's why you even get these like crazy bumper stickers like you know in case of rapture this vehicle will be unattended or some something like that. That's the belief that 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 uh, all the good people. Um, well, not all the good people. All the all of the 
born-again Christians will be snatched out of the world on a particular time when Jesus happens to come again, and um, then we won't have to worry about the world anymore. Uh, because then, according to that uh, theology, there really will be a, 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 an apocalyptic age starting that will really be a, a cultural devastation, and, and it, it will be a, a, an awful and horrible time. Um, but the the... Boy, there's a lot to talk about there, because um, what that says is that for that particular brand of Christianity, this world is really uh, disposable, uh, that, that the creation that we are currently living in and the world that, that we're living in right now will um, be just totally uh, cast aside, and we don't have to worry about it, because those of us who are Christians are going to just be snatched out of here anyways. Well, that is not at all what the Bible says uh, about, about things and, and uh, what, what Christianity has really believed for uh, nearly 2,000 years. This is a relatively novel uh, theological viewpoint within the history of Christianity. That's, that's why I think it's sort of interesting that it's caught on so much in America and it's and in many ways it's a distinctly American theology, even though I mean others believe it throughout the world, I suppose. But but it really caught on in America. There there was a guy by uh, the name of Darby. He was the one who first sort of innovated this this uh, idea of the of the rapture. A, a rogue Anglican priest. Am yes, I right about was. that? He was he was a rogue Anglican priest and. His uh, point of view uh, sort of caught on through um, the the teachings of uh, a man by uh, Schofield. And Schofield developed something called the Schofield Chain Reference Bible. And it was a version of the King James Bible that uh, went through all of the Bible and uh, came up with the, this theory of, of rapture and laid it all out for people so that they could see uh, that the Bible's teaching, according to, to Schofield, was that, that Christians were going to be snatched out of this world at the particular time when Jesus um, came again. And uh, that caught on in America. And uh, lots of the Schofield Bibles were sold throughout the United States um, in the early uh, 20th century. And so that's how that really start, started to gain currency in American um, evangelicalism. And the, the problem, uh, of course, is that it, it was a relatively new concept. And then, and then it sort of ca caught on uh, later on when you have like the Left Behind series of, of books that, that really play this out in a sort of like a, a, a fantasy science fiction kind of uh, approach to things. And so lots of people have read those books. And so they, they have gained a lot of currency in the culture. And I think that some, some folks who look at Christianity in America are saying, oh, this is what Christians believe. But, but that's not the truth. I mean, there are many Christians, perhaps, who, who do, in fact, believe that, but there are a lot of people who don't believe that, who are still Christians. And in fact, the whole thrust of tradition for 2,000 years never believed in the rapture. We, that's never been understood as, as what God was going to be doing at the end of time. Rather, what the Bible seems to be saying is that it is caught up more in what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. Um, Thy will, that is, God's will, uh, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, 
And so, so it's it, it, the, the, the theology that Jesus seems to be emphasizing is that there's two, two realities, um, a, a heavenly reality and, and a earthly reality. And right now, that, that heavenly sort of idealized reality that God has in store for, for all people or God's plan or dream for all people um, is not the way it is on earth right now. But, but the hope is that, that those two spheres will become more and more aligned and that one day earth and heaven will be joined. Um, so it's sort of like a Venn diagram kind of, right? That, that right now there's sort of an overlap in the middle of, of uh, the, the hope for God's future dream for the world uh, is overlapping with the current world. Uh, but one day, the, the Christian belief is that those two things will become aligned and that God's uh, original dream for creation will be um, realized on earth as it is in heaven. And you see this actually in the book of Revelation, which we're going to be looking at in, in the class. What we, what we find out in the book of Revelation is that in the, in the 21st chapter of um, the book of Revelation, the, 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 well, first of all, the book of Revelation is, 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 uh, seen, is seen by this guy by the name of John. Uh, he's a, in exile on, the, on this little island called Patmos, and he has this sort of ecstatic vision, sort of like somebody on mushrooms or something, right? It's like this like crazy, very colorful cosmic vision. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had vanished and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God made ready like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice proclaiming from the throne. Now God has his dwelling with humankind. He will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them. And so, so the idea here in Revelation is that the, the heavenly Jerusalem, that is the, the heavenly city or the ideal city, the ideal human community, comes down to earth. It's not that Christians are taken out of the, of, of the earth and go to some other place, but that God's reality comes down to earth and, and God's dream for the city, God's dream for human community and, 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 and the planet becomes one with, with, with creation, that the creation is renewed and, and restored and made whole and made into what it was originally intended to be. So, so the, the rapture theology is very different from that. You know, the, the, the rapture theology is, you know, um, I won't have to worry about this planet or this world uh, when all the apocalyptic devastation comes because I'm going to be snatched out of here. It's not going to be my problem anymore. Uh, so, so that I think is is the the rapture theology, but I think that 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 comes in with with all of that other cultural stuff that you were talking about earlier, Eric, and that is um, that there is in a sense a, a, an epoch, an American fascination, well, as I said, with with this sense of of um, this world is going the world as we know it is going to come to a cataclysmic, if not a cataclysmic end, um, the culture as we know it is going to come to a cataclysmic end, and we're going to have to try to, to survive and fend for ourselves. And again, you see that through all that stuff you were, you were mentioning. And they, there's a, a, uh, a book by, the, by a guy by the name of uh, Matthew Barrick Groves called The Last Myth, and he deals with this sense of this, what he calls apocalyptic anxiety, 
that that we have in our culture today, in particular, not only uh, among fundamentalists, but but among lots of folks, right? I think that's why all of these uh, films and uh, fascination with zombies, uh, all of that stuff comes from a, a profound dis-ease in our culture, uh, thinking that the whole house of cards is going to come tumbling down sooner than later. And we see this in things like global warming. We see this in, in uh, world economic structures. We see it in increasing poverty and homelessness. All of these things in our culture, and, and you know, the, the, the planet seems to be uh, going crazy, um, there is a profound disease, uh, especially in the developed world, uh, with with where we're going as a culture, and and uh, what are we going to do to um, try to turn things around, or can we turn things around? Well, Silicon Valley executives have their apocalypse bunkers, apparently, and of course Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are going to go to Mars and literally leave us all behind. Uh, Ray Kurzweil, who works for Google, thinks that we're going to upload our brains to a sentient computer called the Singularity someday. So, I mean, you're, you're saying that there are the secular versions of this uh, rapture idea. And there's always, actually, with the rapture idea also, there's always the righteous select few who seem to also be the people promoting this idea who end up okay in the end. That's part of it, right? right? But what's the difference, though? I mean, if in you outlined a more orthodox Christian theology of it, if everything's okay in the end, why can't we just do whatever we want to right now, right? Why can't I just, you know, drive a Hummer or whatever? <laughs> well, because I think I think the the concept is that it, it, you know what what Jesus talked about was especially again in the Lord's Prayer is is if our hope is for earth and heaven to be joined, that, that we need to be about that work of, of working to make that happen, I suppose, right? So, so it's not just about, you know, we're, we're just going to sit here with our arms crossed and, and, uh, and let it all happen. It really is a sense in which that, that, that uh, what Jesus talked an awful lot about was what he called the kingdom of God or what other places in the Bible call the new creation. And that, that's sort of that vision that, that um, the Bible has from the very beginning of a place where the relationships between human beings, the relationship with the planet and human beings, and the relationship between God and all creation uh, are, in some sense, um, in harmony. Uh, that's what the Bible calls shalom. Shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means um, harmony with all things and with the creator. And so, so that's, that's sort of the dream that the Bible has. Uh, and really the story of the Bible is how, how we sort of mess that up in some ways and, and, and destabilized that sense of, of harmony, made it disharmonious, and, and how uh, human beings need to get back on track to... Um, make that harmonious again, or, or to work with God, be God's partners, uh, be the creator's partners in the, in, in planet restoration and, and human restoration. And so that, that's really what the story of the Bible is. And, and Jesus really talks about that. That's, that's what, what he's saying is that, you know, you need to be, you folks, uh, human beings need to be part of this great community. And, and it's really is good news because, um, we, we have a vision and a dream that we can be working towards. Uh, and, and I think that that gets us into the sense of, um, 
What is, what is the, the, this sort of sense of apocalyptic in the Bible? Now, now this word apocalypse, right, comes from a Greek word, uh, which means uncovering or revealing. That's why the, the book of Revelation is also called the apocalypse. Uh, that, that's another name for it, because it's a Greek word for revelation um, or uncovering. So, so the idea of, of this is, is that, that what, what I think the Bible is trying to do is, is give us, through this particular kind of literature, a bigger vision that we are participants in. And, and knowing that, that, that we are partners with God, we don't do it totally on ourselves, according to the biblical vision, but, but we are, are partners in, in a movement. Uh, that will uh, ultimately result in the restoration of all things. But we, we are invited to be partners in that. Now, what I think apocalyptic literature, and it is a kind of literature, it's a, it's a, it's a genre, it's a style of literature, right, uh, that, that we find in the Bible. Yeah, so um, I think we could take a step back, actually, and, um, and maybe it's a little out of order, but... Um John of Patmos? Who is he? What is, what is this yeah. book? Because I think most people listening to that, that's the story they're going to be most familiar with. Right. Right. What is this story if it's not about um, present day or future events? What is it actually about? Because it's a very, very strange work of literature yeah. that, that um, I'm sure Episcopal priests tend not to do a lot of sermons about. But um, <laughs> anyways, um, what, is, what is this book? What's it about? Who is John of Patmos? Okay, the Revelation, again, is part of this whole literary movement, if you want to call it that, that existed in, in what we call the intertestamental period. That is, that probably a couple hundred years before Jesus and maybe during the first and maybe into the second century, um, that there is this kind of literature called apocalyptic. And it makes use of this these fanciful imagery, and often it, it casts the, the world in sort of black and white terms, um, that, that there's the righteous and there are the unrighteous, and that they are, are fighting one another. And um, John of Patmos, and we can talk a little bit about that, uh, the, the literary type a little bit more, but, but John of Patmos is the, is the person who wrote um, this book called the Revelation or the Apocalypse, which is the last book of the New Testament. And we don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, some folks uh, in, in the past have thought that he was also the, 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 the guy who wrote the Gospel of John, but that is almost certainly not the case. Um, but, but he is sometimes called John the Seer or John the Prophet. Uh, because he had had these visions, you know, that, these uh, that 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 he writes about in um, in the book of Revelation, and he uh, Patmos has this little island, and and he was uh, seems to be in exile, and uh, because he's a Christian, and he um, has this vision, and he writes he writes this book. Now, so so I think your question was. What do all these visions mean, and, and what relevance do they have? Or, or is this just a is, can can we simply just dismiss this book as a, uh, a an example of a particular genre of writing that existed uh, in the first century of the Common Era um, in in uh, Jewish and Christian um, groups uh, during that period of time? Can we just say oh, that? and is it just about the Roman Empire, right. for instance? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that that. Uh, the revelation and, and 
uh, I, really all apocalyptic literature, I suppose, can be can be understood on the level of on, on a historic level. That is, why was it written at this time and in this culture, and what did it say to its own culture and its own time? That's that's a totally legitimate and an appropriate way of looking at the book of Revelation, for example. However, to to dismiss it only as that, um, I think is missing um, a point because uh, I think there, there's a lot of richness in it that we can use in our own our own day and time as well. But you know, you, you have on the one hand, you have that that view. Okay, this is something that really had relevance within the Roman Empire, and it was talking about the period of persecution of Christians and um, that, that God ultimately is going to win out. And, and that's, that's what revelation is all about. On the other hand, you have the, the, the l- biblical literist type folks who say, Oh no, no, it's, it is absolutely all about our time. And, and in fact, you know, although it might have some had said something to the, the first century, it really wasn't about that at all. It, it's all about, you know, uh, a, a future orientation, sort of, you know, like clairvoyance, you know, of, 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 you know that, that John is seeing something that's going to take place. And you know when it's going to take place? It's going to take place right in our own day and time. And, you know, you, you, you take various characters in the book of Revelation, like the Antichrist, for example, and you find a particular person who you say, oh, you know, the you know, the, the, there are these reasons, these clues in the book that we have decoded and uh, have determined that, you know, uh, King Juan Carlos of Spain. I remember the how the whole how Lindsay <laughs> thing was was King Juan Carlos. And he was supposed to be the Antichrist. So well, we all know that 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 what happened with that, I guess. But, you know, the, the one of the most famous ones, of course, uh, was um, uh, Adolf Hitler, you know, was was said to be the Antichrist. Now, now put a bookmark on that one, because I think we can go back to that as a good example of, of, of something else that I want to say about this. But that's, the, that's I think, one of the problems, that you, you say, okay, 666, which is the, the mark of the beast in the, in the book of Revelation, which is another one of these you know, very bizarre sorts of elements, means a certain thing, and, and, that, that, and, and we're going to decode that for you and give you the real skinny on, on what the book of Re- Revelation really means, and you'll be able to, to look at, at the contemporary culture and see where all these things are going, right? Well, that's is. It, 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 I, I think folks can dismiss that kind of nonsense uh, as as much as seeing it simply as a historical book that had a peer, that that had relevance in its own period, um, but has no relevance to us in our time. Both of those, I think, uh, dismiss in in different ways uh, the writing of the Book of Revelation. So. What does it have to say to us? You know, um, without getting into too too much detail, I think I think the the Book of Revelation and and uh, some of the other pieces of of the of apocalyptic literature that appear in the Bible, but primarily the Book of Revelation, give us I think some wisdom about the the force of evil in the world, which St. Paul in another place calls principalities and powers, um, that, that there is, in a sense, um, a, a, a sort of larger-than-life movement, bigger than the sum of its parts, that is a, a movement of um, destruction aligned with the culture of death, evil, um, uh, that, that violence, that um, sort of takes human beings and and 
and sort of absorbs them into it uh, in, a, in, a, in a way. And I'm, I, and I'm grasping for language here. That's why apocalyptic literature uses all this crazy language, right? Because it's trying to give us some sort of a vision of, of the reality that, that exists in the world. Um, so, so there's that. And, 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 and it has a force and a movement to it. You know, uh, environmental degradation um, has a force, has a movement to it. And, and, and it may it very well be, well, it is, um, the result of human activity, but, but, but a human activity that is larger than the sum of its parts. Uh, if, if you or I um, engage in practices that, that hurt the environment, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the whole sort of direction of of folks um, towards things that that uh, are destructive, violent, making for war. Um, by the same token, there is a, a contrary force uh, of love and goodness and peace and shalom, a, 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 a sense of trying to re restore order in the midst of chaos, right? And so, so, so if you, if you want to talk about it in, in, you know, sort of big terms, it's sort of like chaos and order or dark and light, you know, which is what the apocalyptic literature does, right? And, and so we can choose in some ways, uh, to participate in these things or not, uh, in, in, in one of these two movements. Most of us, however, are sort of caught in the middle, in between both, right? Um, and, and we are, in, in the midst of our culture, living with both um, a, a hope for the future and, and we're, we are participating in this other, other side as well. And so, so apocalyptic literature tries to, to tell us that, that we should, as much as possible, um, try to turn away from the, the, a, a culture of death and turn towards life. Uh, that, that would really be sort of, in a nutshell, what I think apocalyptic literature does and, and can do still for us. I, th I think it can be a, a, a profoundly hopeful book at the end of the day, the book of Revelation, even while it talks to us about you know the, the, the sense of death and 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 destruction uh, going on all around us uh, that that there is hope and there can be hope if and, and we can participate in the movement towards towards uh, life uh, instead of death so I, yeah but so th this is kind of my last question but we, we can talk a little bit more about the class but um, but doesn't and I've already sort of asked you this but doesn't that that kind of um, hope for the end. Some some people would call it hopium, right? <laughs> that um, that everything's going to be okay. So it does isn't that um, maybe not the best story to be telling right now? I mean, in in terms of yeah, I mean, as as I I, I can see how that how folks could understand that, right? To think about that, what what we're saying is that, right? I don't think so though, because I think I think that that. If if you look at the story of the Bible, I think that that you know ultimately yes, there there is a sense in which ultimately everything is going to be okay. There there is that sense, right? However, I think that what the Bible is also saying is that it's going to be okay because we participate in the good, right? Um, it, that that human beings have free will, uh, 
that's that's also what what uh, we see in the Bible as well that that we have the ability to make choices right and and to participate in uh, one of these two uh, movements that are at work in the cosmos uh, chaos or 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 uh, order and that that I think that that ultimately the the story of the Bible says that ultimately that the, the the God of the universe is going to to win out but at what cost and um, at and and how how that will happen I have no idea uh, but what I do know is that that um, there's some real world problems uh, that exist and and this mythos if you will uh, and, and I'll unpack that word um, it uh, gives us a vision of, of what we need to work toward um, that that you know, that the the opposite side of what you're saying is the uh, contemporary sense of of apocalyptic. That is, we do nothing because the world is going to just go to hell in a handbasket anyways. That it, it it's all destroyed. It's destroying itself, and and we're helping to destroy it, and that's just what's going to happen. And so we might as well not bother, right? So so that's the other side of it too, right? So so uh, that that's that's inaction. Because we we are so paralyzed by the enormity of the problem that we don't feel we have any agency whatsoever. I think what the Bible does is gives us agency. It says that we can be part of a movement that that is really the direction of the universe. Um, you know, to, to use that that old Martin Luther King Jr. line that he got from from an, from another uh, pastor. You know, the the arc of the of the moral universe is is long but it moves towards justice right um and so if that is true it can only be true because there is a guiding force that is moving us toward that um and that's why i think that that we run into problems when we take um a creator out of the picture uh, because then there is no moral universe, and there is no arc of the moral universe. It just it doesn't exist. There is just the universe, and um, it could very well be the case that you know that the the trajectory that we're on um, is irreversible. Uh, but I don't want to believe that. You know, it, well, it's not that I don't want to believe it. I don't believe it because I believe there is a, a moral arc to the universe. Mm-hmm. So ironically, then we end up with um, those like secular forms of the of the rapture where we're going to Mars then because right. we are screwing everything yeah. up. Yeah. Um, do you do you want to say something about um, a little ad for the class maybe? Because I think we've done a good teaser right now. Sure, but if you sure. want to say something about the class, uh, it's not just going to cover the book of Revelation, but you're actually going to get into the Old Testament as well. Uh, say something about that, um, the class, where it is, all, all that information. The class is going to be uh, four weeks, and it's going to start this coming Sunday, the uh, 18th of November, 2018. And it's going to be here at St. John's Cathedral. And we're going to really start talking about, well, what, what is this sort of genre of literature called apocalyptic, and where did it come from? Um, and it really started out as a kind of resistance literature uh, to large imperial uh, forces uh, that were overtaking the culture of uh, Judaism and Israel. And 
it, we really see the first roots of it in, in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. Um, and that, that is, again, during a time of oppression, uh, Babylonian captivity, um, and uh, the, you know, the book of Ezekiel, he sees, again, these, these extraordinary visions. So, so really, it's not really precisely what scholars mean by apocalyptic literature, but it, but it is sort of the, 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 the beginnings of apocalyptic uh, style of writing. Um, the, the other book in the Old Testament that really displays apocalyptic uh, literature is the book of Daniel, beginning in the seventh chapter. Uh, Daniel has these visions of, again, of, of what he calls the Son of Man, and, and this, this, this great glorious creature is, is uh, awful to behold, not, you know, in the sense of awe. And he has these uh, amazing uh, visions in the book of Daniel. And if, if you go to the book of Revelation, some of the, the images that appear in both Ezekiel and in Daniel are recapitulated in the book of Revelation. They, they appear like the four living creatures, for example, are, are, are image in the book of Revelation. Those first appear in the book of Ezekiel. And so, so he uses some of the images of the Old Testament in his, um, his writing. Uh, so, so we're going to start by looking at apocalyptic. We're going to look at, at Ezekiel. We're going to look at Daniel. Then we're going to look at a couple of other places in the New Testament where, where apocalyptic literature sort of peeks through. Uh, there's there's uh, little sections in the Gospels uh, that are called the little apocalypse of the Gospel of Mark, for example. Um, and uh, then St. Paul uh, uses some apocalyptic imagery when he talks about the uh, his vision of the end of the world, which we just talked about Thessalonians as a good example of that. But then we're going to spend most of our, the rest of our time, the last uh, two and a half weeks, let's say, really looking at the book of Revelation and what, what it's said in its time, uh, but more, more helpfully, I think, what it, what it can also say to us. Um, there's one, one little example that I'll give as a, as a teaser is um, there's this, this uh, very powerful uh, story of the destruction of what, what uh, the what John of Patmos calls um, the destruction of Babylon, right? Which, which for him is code for Rome. But when we think about it, you know, it, it really is any imperial structure um, that has has a whole intersection between economy and politics and technology and and, and production. Uh, and, and, and this one little section of, of the book of Revelation talks about uh, the destruction of Babylon and how, how devastating it is for us, you know, human beings, to see, you know, this, this great center of trade and commerce and, and all of these wonderful things that we used to have and we won't have them anymore because the whole system uh, collapsed under its own weight. And, you know, the, the, John goes through and talks about all of these various little things, you know, that, that were so important to their cultures. Uh, and, and, you know, we could, we could throw in our own, you know, oh, we'll no longer have iPhones. Uh, we'll no longer have um, Hermes scarves. Um, we'll no longer uh, have uh, Dior fashion. You know, um, all of this stuff, we, we could put our, in, insert our own cultural stuff into it. Um, and the, the warning is not about just ancient Rome, but about ourselves, you know, that the political 
economy and the intersection of technology and wealth and production and labor, all of those things are, are woven together. And what, what John is saying is that um, if you put your trust in that kind of imperial um, mindset and, 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 it, and if, you, if you invest yourself in, in, in empire, um, empire will collapse. And um, it, it, he, he saw that vision very clearly, and, and so we're going to talk about that. And the other thing is, you know, the, this thing about the Antichrist, for example, that, oh, is it this person or is it that person? Well, Adolf Hitler was an Antichrist. You know, he, he, he embodied a spirit of death um, and, uh, and brought along with him thousands and thousands of people who bought into that philosophy and that and that way of being and as i said before that that creates a a a powerful force greater than the sum of its parts Uh, people often talked about going to the his rallies and and the whole sense of of the 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 whole uh collective effervescence as as uh, uh sociologists sometimes refer to it uh that 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 emerged or was created by that 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 sense of, of his his own personal charisma, but but it really was created because all of those people were participating in something greater than themselves uh, that was uh, moving towards violence, death, destruction, uh, xenophobia. He go on and on and on. And interestingly, uh, we live in a culture now in which so many of those things seem to be gaining currency. And so perhaps this is the right time for the going back to the book of Revelation and, and, and seeing a, 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 a apocalypse now, as you said, um, in, in, a, uh, in a light that's not about escapism, but about how we can use these wonderful um, images and, 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 and the mythos of, of the book of Revelation to uh, fuel the movement, uh, the counter movement to that, to that, uh, that all that darkness. Well, I think that's a great place to conclude. Is there anything else you want to say? So I think, you know, if, if people are listening to this and can come uh, on Sunday, please come join us. Uh, we're a very friendly place, welcoming community. If you've never been here before and you want to come to the class, just jump in. We'll be glad to have you. Uh, it's just before the service, too, so you can savor the service. That's right. We start at 915 um, this coming Sunday. There will be signs to direct you to where, where we're going to be meeting. And, um, and then uh, the service is at 11 o'clock, and we'd be glad to have you there, too. All right. Thank you, Father Mark. Thank you, Eric. That was Father Mark Kowaleski. You can find out more about his work at stjohnsla.org. If you'd like to hear the rest of the Apocalypse class, I'll leave a link in the show notes to subscribe to the St. John's Cathedral podcast. If you have a question or opinion about this episode for me or Father Mark, send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com or call the Root Simple End of the World hotline at 213-537-2591 and leave a comment. We are Root Simple on Twitter. You can have our podcasts automatically downloaded for free by subscribing in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher. Thank you again to our many supporters. Our closing theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening. (laughs) ¶¶